Hello, amazing Life Changes Church family and friends, wherever you're watching from around our city, our country, or possibly even further afield. We want to welcome you to Church Online. Uh, and now my name is Gabe Phillips. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, I'm married to a beautiful lady named Fiona. We have two fantastic children called Olivia and Benjamin. And I have the privilege of being a pastor at one of the greatest churches in the world, Life Changes Church. And uh, it's a joy to welcome you this morning to part three of an incredible incredible series called Prisoners of Hope. We are preaching from a, a, a text in, in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12, a scripture that says, return to the stronghold, O you prisoners of hope. And so arrested our attention at this time because the narrative that that uh, prophetic word falls into is of the nation of Israel who've been in captivity, lockdown, if you, if you will, exile in Babylon for 70 years and they've been there at, uh, as they're in, in captivity and imprisoned. And then they're now returning home back to Jerusalem. And what should be a joyous return is actually one filled with despair and frustration and sadness because they're returning to a city that is in ruins, relationships in tatters, and a future that seems no more for them. And it sounds a familiar narrative for many of us at this time uh, in this world that we live in, but Zechariah's words declaring that you are not prisoners to what has gone before or even prisoners to the fears that lie ahead, but rather we are tethered, held, confined to being prisoners of hope. And that's what we believe for us right now. In week one, we said we are prisoners of His promise, that actually we serve a God who is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, and, and God is not a man that He should lie. What He says, He backs up in action. That is week two, we said we serve a God who is, uh, that we are pr prisoners of His presence. And we say, where can I go to escape from your presence, O God? If I go to the heights, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. That He is with us. And thirdly, today, we get to preach about being prisoners of His power. And I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited that today is your day. Today is my day to receive the power of God breaking in and breaking through in our lives. And I, with that, I want to tell you the title of my sermon. Maybe you're a note taker. I recommend it. And if you're typing in the chat, you want to write this in and preach with me today because this is a partnership. But the title of my sermon is, Give Me a Break. Give Me a Break. And maybe you, like me, have found yourself saying those words or muttering those words or something of the equivalent in the last few months. Maybe you, you heard the lockdown is being extended and level one, level two, level three, and you go, oh, you hear that and you say, give me a break. Maybe you've heard social distancing and you've grown tired of all the talk about it and you're saying, give me a break. Maybe you've been longing for, for, to, for the end of all these memes that have been coming your way, all the, the Karens in our world have been complaining and, and, and bringing up all their frustrations. You're just like, oh, you roll your eyes and say, give me a break. Maybe for you, it's hearing Kanye West is running for president of the United States of America. And you throw up your hand and say, give me a break. Or maybe even you're listening in today and you're saying, surely Gabe won't talk about Liverpool winning the title again. And you say, give me a break. Wherever you find yourself there, that is not what I'm speaking about today. I want to say this message, this moment today is for the people here, people who are watching, you and me, who maybe have grown tired and weary of the status quo. And you're saying, I'm wanting a break, a break from my past. I want, to, I want a break from my pain. I want a break from my failures. I want a break from my frustrations and fears. I want a break from my anxiety that's plagued me and kept me up at night. I want a break from my addictions. If that's you today and you're saying, I need a break, give me a break. You want a breakthrough. I want to say, today is your day for breakthrough. 
And if that is you, I wanna encourage you, turn the volume up at home. Don't listen to this in silence. I think things are gonna get loud today. When chains start to rattle and break, things get loud. I wanna say, why don't you shout it out loud? Why don't you type into your keypad? Why don't you shout it out your window? The title of my sermon, if your heart needs to be stirred with faith today, write it right now in the chat. Give me a break. Oh, we're off and running already and I'm so excited today. So before we get going, let's pray. Father, I pray that you are gonna move in power today. That this gospel, this good news of yours is not one just of mere words and talk, but is a gospel of power and breakthrough. And I thank you that nothing is too hard for you. We trust you and we stir up our faith today knowing that you are coming through for us at just the right time. We are prisoners of your power. And we today say with the declaration of faith in our hearts towards you, heaven, we say, give me a break. And we expect it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What a privilege to be able to preach today. The text that I'm going to be navigating us through is found in Acts chapter 16. And it's an incredible story of a, of a, a deadly duo named Paul and Silas. And the background of these two is they've arrived, these missionaries, God's men for a moment, they arrive in a city called Philippi an area called Macedonia. They've been sent there by the Holy Spirit. Just the, the voice of God spoke and they obeyed and they arrived there and just, it just revival breaks out. Revival and then riots. This is, this is what, the wild days. This is the wildness of what God is doing. They arrive in the city and uh, salvation started to flow. They arrive in the city and baptisms are happening en masse. This is just the, the, the archetype of re revival. They, they're preaching and, the, and demons are fleeing. They are, they are causing such a stir in the city that they have got such a positive response and negative response and they are the talk of the town. They're literally turning the city upside down. And that's when we pick up the narrative. When the narrative changes abruptly in verse 22 of chapter 16. And let me read it. It says this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't have presumed there was the outcome of revival. I wouldn't have presumed there was the outcome of, of what would have happened on the back of salvations, baptisms, people being set free from oppression. I didn't, wouldn't think that would be the outcome. But I want to say in this moment, before we get going, that the enemy always opposes the start of a move of God. When God is on the move, I think we sometimes we, we think that everything will be easy and, and easy going. And we expect our lives to have one type of trajectory, one type of track going. But I want to tell you just all the way through Scripture and all the way through life is that whenever God starts to move and do things in your life, the enemy will rise up and oppose it. This is what we do. And I think sometimes we seem like we're taken by surprise when there are tough times and when we start to bleed a little bit and when our emotions go haywire and we feel that pressures are coming in around us, we go, what is going on? But Jesus told us in, in John chapter 14 says, he, he tells us that actually in this world, we will have trouble. Not we might, not maybe, but we will have trouble. This is a, a guarantee from heaven. And maybe you're tuning in today and you didn't want to hear that. I want to tell you, you will have trouble in this world. Comma, but take heart, I have overcome the world, says Jesus. But I, I want to say in this moment that I often get worried when the enemy leaves me alone. Because uh, the enemy is always wanting to, if he leaves me alone, it means that God's actually not doing anything in my life. 
Because he wants to come against a blessing. He wants to come against a breakthrough. He wants to come against momentum when he's moving forward. He wants to oppose what God is doing. As John 10.10 10 says, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy the life and the abundant life that God is wanting to bring into our existence. And I want to say, though, in this moment, that in God's economy, a breakdown always precedes a breakthrough. A breakdown always goes before a breakthrough. You see, these, three, these two men, they were stripped they were stripped, embarrassed, exposed, humiliated. And I can imagine them saying, as, all, as this was happened by the hands of an angry mob being stripped of their clothes and, and, and being exposed, I can imagine them going, give us a break, man, give us a break. And then they were beaten, painfully, unfairly, tortured. And I can imagine them yelling, yelling and going, give us a break, just give us a break. Then the narrative tells us they were imprisoned thrown into the inner dungeon, clamped their feet and stocks over festering wounds. And now I can imagine them whimpering, give us a break, give us a break. Maybe you feel something like this in this season, stripped, stripped of your dignity, stripped of your confidence. Maybe you feel beaten, beaten up emotionally, wave after wave, life just keeps coming, one thing after another. Maybe you feel imprisoned, imprisoned by addictions, by guilt, by fear of the past and the future. You don't know how to move forward. I'll say it again. In God's economy, a breakdown always comes before a breakthrough. As we keep reading, verse 25 says these two words, two powerful words. It says, about midnight. About midnight. And I want to say midnight, when they say that, it's not because they've got iPhone 10s that alarms are going off and they know exactly the time. They did not have that in this day and age. Steve Jobs hadn't pitched up on the scene yet. But when they say about midnight, the writer Luke here is saying that it's the darkest hour, the coldest hour, the loneliest hour of the night. I can imagine them shivering, screaming, and as they have screams and smells all around them that they weren't aware of before and the pain is taking over the exhausted and shocked bodies about midnight. But I want to say the darkest hour was about to come, the turnaround hour. It says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were dash. Before we read the next part of it, it says about midnight, the coldest hour, the loneliest hour, the darkest hour, Paul and Silas had been stripped, beaten and imprisoned unfairly. They were sulking. That's what I probably would have, would have been like, sulking. They probably would have been saying it's not fair. You were just, you know, Silas, Paul, you were just getting into the groove. You were, you were about to go all Benny Hinn on the crowd. I could just see that the power was about to flow. Salvations were going to break out. Revival, I'd already booked the stadium. You and Angus Bucken were going to do that prayer meeting. This thing was going to go. Philippi was going down. And they were sulking. This is not fair, man. Come on. We're just getting, this, getting in our stride. Paul and Silas were sulking. No, they weren't doing that. Maybe about midnight, Paul and Silas were scheming. You know? Silas, let me tell you, don't you know I'm a Roman citizen? I'll have strong words with the police tomorrow. Actually, you know what? Why don't we go get our followers? We we form a protest and we march all the way to headquarters there to protest this this unrighteous act against us. You know what's even better? Get a Facebook post. We've got to get a social media campaign with the right hashtag to protest. This is injustice. But they weren't doing that either. They weren't sulking. No, neither were they scheming. We find what Paul and Silas were doing. They were singing. At, about, at around midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
me say this, before we see the breakthrough, we have to learn to break out. Give me a break. Give me a break. Before we see a breakthrough, we, learn, we have to learn what it means to break out. I can imagine the scene. I don't know about you, but I've got a vivid imagination. Maybe I've just watched way too many movies. But, uh, but as I read this text, I can imagine Paul and Silas who are stripped, beaten, and imprisoned, and sore, and they're in a, in a jail where they've just they've never thought they would be. And they're sitting there, and it's about midnight, the darkest, loneliest, coldest hour of the night. And as they sit there, I can imagine Paul and Silas look at each other, and they start with the little breath they've got in their lungs, their ribs are hurting, and they, their body is aching. And they look at each other, and they sing, You are here, moving in our midst. Ow, that high note. I worship you. Oof. I worship you. Ow. They, stay, they start to sing. And then Paul and Silas, they ramp it up a little bit. About midnight, the coldest, loneliest, darkest hour, they start to sing, Waymaker. No, but Paul, the other prisoners are saying, Paul, you, you've, been, you've been stripped and embarrassed. And he smiles and goes, Miracle worker. They go, no, you've been beaten, Paul. You've been beaten black and blue. I can see the wounds on you. He goes, Promise keeper. You're imprisoned. Your feet are shackled. You cannot even move. He goes, light in the darkness. It's about midnight, Paul. It's the darkest hour of night, the coldest, loneliest hour. And he says, my God, that is who you are. I picture it. And, and he starts to sing and declare this. In this prison, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And what we have to learn at this moment, I love this, this fact that these two men, they weren't going to allow their scars to become their bars. They weren't going to allow their scars to become their bars. They weren't going to allow their scars to become the, the thing that imprisoned them. They weren't going to allow their scars to become the thing that they would sing about, the narrative of their story. Their scars didn't have to become their bars, and neither does for you and I. We don't have to pick up the narrative of what was. We have to sing of what is to be, what is to come, what is in heaven. We sing of a greater reality. Faith is not a denial of the facts. It's recognizing there's a superior fact, that He is still the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the life in the darkness. And this is amazing for you and I because I want to give this implication to you and I that praise always precedes power. Praise always precedes power. You just have to look at the, the Old Testament understanding of things. When, when the nation of Israel would go to war and they'll go to war with the enemies who were standing opposed to them, physical war, physical battle, and they had the 12 tribes, and they would portion out which tribe would go out first, which tribe would be the leading spear in the war, will it be the strongest men, the quickest men, the swiftest men, the ones who have got the greatest weapons? No. As you read the Old Testament, we realize that every time Israel went into battle, they sent out the tribe of Judah first, and the word Judah means praise. Every time they went into battle, they'll send the tribe of praise first, declaring who their God was. And I think this is massive for you and I because I know in my heart, too often when I'm facing a battle, I send out fear first. I send out anxiety first. I send out panic first. I send out resentment first. I send out frustration first. Ah! But these guys, they learned that actually praise precedes power. Watch this. In John chapter 2, we find Jesus at a wedding. And his mother Mary, who had tapped into something about knowing who her son was, comes up to him. And at a wedding where his friends, he's there to celebrate one of their best days, but very quickly it's becoming potentially an embarrassment, one of their worst days because they're running out of wine. Jesus' mom comes to him and says, Jesus, 
the party is running out of wine. She says a statement of fact. This is what it is. And Jesus responds almost carelessly to her. He says to her, woman, what has this got to do with me? My time has not yet come. Jesus is saying, actually, I'm not going to do a miracle right now. I see that need that there needs to be wine, but that is not my, I don't need to respond, I don't have to respond to it because my time is not yet. But Mary realized that when she said, they've run out of wine, that is a, a need-based statement. He says, my time has not yet come, but what she follows up, she looks uh, to the side and looks at the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. They've run out of wine, need-based. Do whatever he tells you to do, faith-based statement. Faith-based statement. And how amazing is that? Jesus then does a miracle, turning water into wine. And he, but he had said his time had not yet come. Mary, by faith, by declaring who God was, by praising who his nature was, that he is a God who can do what only he can do. He, she pulled God's, God's power into her reality. She pulled out of Jesus the power that she needed for that moment. This is incredible. I don't know about you, but I love seeing this because actually you and I need to learn what it means to rehearse and remind ourselves of God's victories. Too often at night, we rehearse and remind ourselves of our failures, of our accusations where we fell short, where the balance is not going to make it, where the finances are too tight. We rehearse and remind ourselves of our fears, but we have to learn, like Paul and Silas, about midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. This is huge, and I want to say it this way. Praise changes perspective, because what you sing will affect how you see. What you sing will affect how you see. Moving on in this amazing text, I love here, it says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Isn't that not huge? And the other prisoners were listening. The whole prison. A prison filled, the scripture says, an inner dungeon. The darkest place. The place where through the hardened criminals, the drunkards, the angry, the violent, the foul-mouthed men, and all of this place which has been filled with, with uh, inappropriate jokes and screams and rants and fights. All of a sudden, about midnight, Paul and Silas start to pray and sing hymns to God. And says, it fell silence as all of them inclined their ears to what they were saying. This is massive because personally for me, many years ago, my family moved from Zimbabwe to South Africa and we arrived uh, on the back, running away from the worst, most political, the hardest upheaval in the, in the time of our nation at that, at that juncture. And we arrived with little more than just two suitcases and a family in tow. And everything that went, went before now lay in tatters. And we arrived in, in Durban. My dad, later on in years with no, no connections, no ability to make money, and putting job off, a CV down, a CV down, every job offer coming back negative, negative, negative. And I saw my dad, a strong man of faith, wither, start to wither and become small. And we lived on other people's kindness for up to, almost up to a year, living in one bedroom flats. My mom and dad and their 15 year old son. And I remember going to school every day, and my dad going out to another job interview, coming back empty handed. I saw the confidence start to drain, drain out of him seeming stripped of confidence, beaten up, feeling imprisoned, and it felt about midnight. But I remember one thing that so rem reminds me of that time was in that small one-bedroom house every morning, no matter what was going on, and maybe it wasn't at the, the heights, the highest tones, and my dad wasn't full and brimming of confidence, but my dad kept singing a song, a refrain again and again. Every morning with the Bible open in front of him, he would sing, You will make a way where there seems to be no way. You work in ways we cannot see. 
you will make a way for me. I remember that song because though my dad in that moment was singing, about midnight, Rowan Phillips was singing, singing to God with his back up against the wall. The other prisoner was listening. A 15-year-old insecure, pornography-addicted, lonely boy who was dyeing his hair black just to remain anonymous in this new society. He was listening. And years later, I look back and I go, what has held me? What has held me was that actually there was a different response in that moment. I want to say it to you and I, that too often we say that when God breaks in, then I'll break out and praise. When God breaks in and I see the victory, then I'll praise Him. But I want to offer you a different way, a different narrative, a different response. Too often we say, God, when you break in, then I'll break out and praise. When I see your breakthrough, then I'll break out. But actually God is saying a different way, a different narrative that I want to offer you today. That actually God is saying, you must break out and then He'll break in. Praise precedes His power. And I love that actually the scripture says this, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Not apart from your weakness, not when you're strong, not when you've seen victory. But He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Thirdly and finally today, seeing the breakdown then we see them start to break out and trust in God to break into the situation. And now we come face to face with the breakthrough. I love the scriptures and all the other prisoners were listening. And verse 26 says this, suddenly. Oh, I love that word suddenly. It's all over the book of Acts. Suddenly. I want to say this, that God moves best at midnight. As I read scripture, I've just seen again and again, God moves best at midnight. He moves best when our backs seem to be up against the wall. You don't believe me? Well, let's do a few case studies quickly. Moses is standing at the edge of a Red Sea, a mighty ocean with an enemy coming charging behind him, the whole Egyptian army coming behind him. He's looking in front of him in the Red Sea, behind him a nation wanting to take and tear them to smithereens and take them back into captivity. And Moses, all he has is a stick in his hand. I want to say we have uh, Elijah, Elijah the prophet, is there facing 400 seething satanic priests who are baying for blood and all he's got is a measly prayer. David is facing a giant that is exploding over a nation, Goliath who is taunting them. And behind him he's got his scared brothers and sisters and a nation who have no way out and all he's got is a measly five stones in his pocket. And we see Jesus facing the weight of, the, of humanity, sin and shame and all he's got is two pieces of wood and some nails. I want to tell you that God is a God of the breakthrough even when we don't see a way through. God is a God of breakthrough even when we don't see a way through. And I feel that today is a day for a whole lot of suddenlies to break out. Even right now, I believe that suddenlies are about to happen in your life, sir, man. Suddenly, things that have been waiting, lying dormant for years are about to break out. Can you hear it? Give me a break. Chains are starting to rattle. Prison doors are about to open wide. You see, the scripture tells us, it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Don't you love that? When God moves, He moves. The Red Sea, Moses lifts up, it parts completely in front of them. Elijah calls on fire, fire falls, and 400 seething satanic priests are put to death. David swings, and the giant falls, and he chops off his head with a sword. Jesus, well, we know how that story ends. When God moves, He moves. And I love this fact because actually in the Scriptures, earthquakes are something special because when earthquakes happen, they signify as dismantling of spiritual principalities and powers. Just go do a study on it. Before a breaking, there always seems to be a shaking. 
Before a breaking, there always seems to be a shaking. I want to remind us, life changes church. Sir, man, that we are not fighting a spiritual, uh, physical battle. We're not fighting flesh and blood. Your boss is not the problem. Your, the economy is not the problem. Your spouse is not the problem. I want to say to us today that we are battling powers and principalities of darkness that are coming against us. And when we praise, we are engaging in a spiritual battle. We are dethroning powers and principalities and we are enthroning Christ. When we praise, it's not a warm up for the preach. When we praise in our darkest moments, it's not just Christian karaoke. When we praise, it's just not a catchy tune. We are fighting a spiritual battle. This is what we are doing. And, uh, and I feel a shaking right now as I preach. As I preach, I feel shaking in my bones that freedom is coming to you. If you want a case study again, when Jesus died in Matthew 27, as He gave up His last breath, Matthew 27 tells us that the earth shook, the rocks split apart, and the tombs were opened. Before breaking, there's always a shaking. And as we keep reading, it says that suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. All the doors opened. All the chains of all the prisoners fell off. I, I just felt maybe it's for one person, two people. I don't know who it's for. But actually don't lose the courage to fight for your family at this time. Your battle, you're not fighting it for yourself alone. Your breakthrough is not just about you. There's others who are listening, other prisoners who are longing for freedom. Maybe you've, you've given up praying for salvation for that family member. Maybe you've given up praying and, and fighting for their freedom, for their breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't lose hope because the Bible tells me that all of their chains fell off when God moved. Scripture tells us the jailer woke up and wanted to kill himself. He said, I've I got to kill myself because they've all obviously escaped. They've all obviously fled. The, the doors open, all these criminals, they must have gone. My job's on the line. My life's on the line. I'd rather kill myself with my own hand now. But as he was about to lift the sword and kill himself, Paul and Silas yell out from the inner dungeon, We are still here! We are still here. Oh, I love those words. Because when I hear them, it reminds me that my breakthrough is not just about me. It's also about you and you and you. What God is doing in me is about you as well. It's about our city. And we life changed. We planted a church five weeks before lockdown in the city. Five weeks, not the most perfect time. Plant a church, lockdown, we'll see you in four, five, six, I don't know how many months. But I'm here to tell you, city of Cape Town, we are still here. We haven't gone anywhere. We're still here. We have not abandoned the call of God. We've not left it alone. Lockdown hasn't determined the mission. We still say we are still here. And I want to remind you, maybe you're hanging on by a thread in your marriage. Maybe you're on your last nerve emotionally. Maybe you're hanging on by a thread in your finances. You feel stripped, beaten, and imprisoned in your life. I want to tell you, you are still here. If you're still breathing, He is still calling. If you're still breathing, He still has purpose for your life. If you're still here, He still is ready to move. This is the good news for you and I. Maybe you need to write that right now. I'm still here. Maybe you have this much faith, but all you've got courage to declare is, I'm still here. Do it right now. Write it on the chat. Let's partner in these moments. Faith needs to rise in our hearts. And I love this. Because based on this response, the jailer comes and throws himself before them. They're captive becomes a captive audience. And he says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And they lead this Gentile jailer to the Lord. And what's phenomenal about Acts 16 is the first salvation in Philippi is a lady named Lydia. Second salvation is a slave girl, a demon-possessed slave girl. 
And the third salvation is a Gentile jailer. In Jewish tradition, there's a prayer that Jewish men still pray even up to this day. A prayer that goes like this. They say, thank you God that I was not born a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. A prayer that is discriminatory at best. (laughs) And they're praying it and say, thank God I wasn't born a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. But in God's wisdom, the church in Philippi was birthed with a woman, a slave, and a Gentile getting slaved. And as I read that, my heart soared because actually I was reminded that God uses the phenomenal, He uses the nominal to do the phenomenal. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Scripture tells us that God uses the foolish things the stripped things, the beaten things, the imprisoned things to shame the wise. This is the good news of the gospel. I want to tell you that I'm just a nobody telling everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. That is who we are. We're nothing special, but we're people in the hands of the almighty God who've got a greater task, a greater mission in front of us. Uh, Years ago, uh, I was reminded of this incredible story. A man named Dan Curl, who lived in Zimbabwe, uh, a preacher, a pastor, a man who, who looked after widows and orphans, and he actually passed away this week uh, in Zimbabwe. But he, in, in the height of the political unrest, he was accused falsely of some trumped-up charges and was thrown into jail, unfair, unfairly, stripped of dignity, stripped of, of what people thought of him, beaten up emotionally, and emotionally in the press, beaten up, and, and, and then imprisoned. And they were supposed to send him to one prison, but because that prison was overflowing, they sent him to the maximum security prison with the prisoners who were on death row. And the churches in Zimbabwe threw up their hands. How can they do this, this injustice? And, and people were sulking, and people were scheming, how are we going to do this? And, I, and the goes that Dan Curl with his head down, stripped, beaten, imprisoned. It feels about midnight, his back against the wall. He walks into a death row prison. And as he walks in with prisoners who are, they are in shame and with no future. As he walks in, one prisoner lifted up his head. His eyes went as wide as saucers. His mouth dropped and he yelled out, it's you! Dan Curl said, I've, I've never seen you in life. What do you mean it's me? And the prisoner got up with color coming back into the prisoner's face. The prisoner came and said to him, It's you. I had a dream that you were coming. I had a dream that you were coming here. And Dan Curl was sent into that prison. And the incredible thing is, he led many, many, many of those people on death row to the Lord before he was released. And I'll tell you, his stripped, beaten, and imprisoned nature, his about midnight moment, was not just for him. It was for other people. This is us, church. We have to remind ourselves that we are the church, that we are the church of God, that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Not when lockdown ends. Not when my finances get in order. Not when I see the the things, the heavens open. No, no, no. Now, this is your moment. In this season, we are being sent to the darkest places, the loneliest places, the coldest places, the about midnight times of people's lives. And we are the breakthrough that they are praying for. We are the breakthrough. If we hold this in our hearts, we start to become dangerous people. I'm telling you right now, I want to come in for the killer blow, the killer blow to your chains. I hear chains rattling. I hear prison doors start open. You see that those words, about midnight, It's not the first time they've appeared in Scripture. If you go and read in Scripture, you find the narrative in Exodus that we alluded to earlier. A nation called Israel have been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. 
400 years of being stripped of their identity, stripped of their purpose, stripped of emotionally, beaten up physically, beaten up in every sense of the word and imprisoned in in chains to a foreign king, to serving foreign gods, building foreign monuments and everything about them. It feels midnight has come and they don't know any way forward. And God sends a man named Moses who comes in and against the narrative of the day, he breaks out with a different narrative. He sends forth praise and he declares to Pharaoh, let my people go. And I declare that today, let my people go. God's people, the chains are falling off. The chains are falling off. The prison doors are opening right now. Prisoners of power are being released. And as he says, let my people go, Pharaoh said, no. So God started to move. A shaking started to happen. One plague. And Pharaoh said, no. Second plague. No. Third plague. No. Fourth. Fifth. Sixth. Seventh. Eighth. Nine plagues. No, 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 no. Maybe you feel like that today. You feel that you've been knocking for a long time, pleading for a long time, begging God for a long time. God, I want to see breakthrough. It feels like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times it happened. But it feels it's just got darker and darker and darker and more entrenched. But then we get to Exodus 12. And God says to the people, I'm about to move. Take the blood of the lamb. Take that blood and put it on the top of your door and the side of your door. And I'm about to move on your behalf. I'm going to about to set the captives free. Exodus 12, verse 29. Oh, I can feel power coming. Exodus 12, 29 starts with these two words. About midnight. About midnight. The loneliest, darkest, coldest hour. They've been stripped, beaten, imprisoned. It was about midnight. And the God, the angel of the Lord came and into the enemy's camp and routed the enemy because of the blood of the lamb that was on their doors. A different declaration that declared a different future for them. They were spared and set free. And I want to tell you, that is what God is wanting to do today. It's not in the loudness of the voices. It's not in the courageousness of our faith. It's in our trust and a belief in the blood of Jesus enough. And will we proclaim that blood. When every other voice sees a different narrative, will we proclaim that He is good. He is still the way maker. He's still the miracle worker. He's still the light in the darkness. He's the promise keeper. This is who we are and we are prisoners of His power. Come on! Can I get an amen? Somebody please. I love this. Maybe you're watching. You want to yell it one more time. Give me a break! Because I think a break is coming. Coming your way. I believe salvations are coming. Right now as we land this moment, I believe salvations are going to happen. I believe people who've been running from God for many years, running from God, who are saying today is your day of homecoming. I'm going to count to three in this moment. And when I get to three, I believe power, the Spirit of the living God is to raise your body to life, raise your, life, your, your spiritual life to existence. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. It's not a matter of talk or promises. It's a matter of power right now as you surrender your life to Him. So whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time and you're coming back to Christ today, I want you, if you're on lifechangeschurch.tv, get ready to press that, I give my life to Christ. Press that button now. If you're on Facebook, why don't you type in now, I give my life to Christ. We've got people who want to pray with you and stand with you. This is not a, a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. As we dethrone principalities and powers and declare there's only one king for us. So I want to count with you. Three, you may be feeling stripped. Two, you may have been beaten up. 
One, you may have been imprisoned, but I say right now, respond to Him. Right now and receive salvation in Jesus' name. Respond to Him. Click on it right now. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are saving people. You're redeeming people. You're restoring people. You're bringing the the orphans into family, Father God. The prodigals are coming home. I thank you today as a day of salvation that those who are hearing are not hardening their hearts. Right now, lift your hands. Respond in your home. The Spirit of the living God is coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then maybe you're watching today and you have also been watching and you're saying, I I want freedom, Gabe. I need freedom. The chains have bound me. I need them to break. Chains of addictions, of failures, of, of rejection, the chains of my past. You're saying today, I want to have a break. Give me a break. Breakthrough is coming and His name is Jesus. Breakthrough is coming and it's not just for you. It's for your family and for your city. Cape Town City, we're coming from for you. Prisoners of His power are coming for you. They're coming for you because the prisoners are getting set free. Suddenly, there was a mighty earthquake and all the prison doors were open and all the chains of the prisoners fell off and they were able to declare, we're free, but we're still here. I thank you, would you do this right now in Jesus' name because I believe breakdowns become breakthroughs when we learn to break out, trusting He'll break in. Oh, come on, that's so good. Let me say it again. Breakdowns become breakthroughs when we learn to break out, trusting He will break in. I hear chains rattling. I hear prison doors opening. I hear a city waiting to receive the prisoners of power coming upon it. So let me pray right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for every single person who is hearing the sound of my voice right now. I pray for the Spirit's power to raise people from the dead raise people from sick beds. I pray, Father God, healing come in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, testimonies of jobs to come in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, for finances to come in order, supernaturally bring breakthrough. I thank you, Father God, for, for, for freedom to come, for addictions to be broken, for, for our anger to go. I thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name as we get ready right now to break out with one more song of praise today. I thank you as we send out the tribe of Judah. I thank you, Father God, freedom will come in Jesus' name that you're about to meet us in power. It is not a matter of talk. It is not a matter of just of good arguments. It's a moment to receive His power. This is the kingdom of God and it's colliding with ours right now as we declare Jesus is our King and no other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Be blessed and now let's raise our voices and declare that He is our King alone as we sing one more time. God bless you.